so we've already mentioned the word evil uh, many, many times, and I wanted to start with a definition of what is evil. Uh, Eric Metaxas uh, has written a lot on it. He's a professor, theologian. He says this, evil is that which is utterly opposed to God and consequently opposed to all that is good, loving, beautiful, kind, and true. One more time, evil is that which is utterly opposed to God. Utterly opposed to God and consequently opposed to all that is good, loving, beautiful, kind, and true. Now, I don't, I've personally never met someone who would actually has told me, Michael, I just don't believe that evil actually exists. Uh, I've never met someone who just looks around and says, yeah, there's no evil in this world. I've never met anyone who would say, yeah, the death of millions and millions and millions and millions of Jews at the hand of Hitler's, uh, at the hand of Hitler would would say that was nothing just but pure evil. But why many people struggle and squirm at evil is not so much because of the pain and devastation it causes, but because the existence of evil implies that there is a moral order. If we say that there is evil in the world, and most people would agree, yet there is evil in the world, well, a lot of folks struggle with that because the existence of evil implies that there is a moral order. If there is a moral order, meaning a standard of good, then we must wrestle with where that standard of good comes from. If we're going to say that there is evil in the world, and I think all of us would agree there is evil in the world, then we have to wrestle with where did that moral order come from? Where does that standard of good come from? If we're going to call something evil, then there must be a standard by which we judge evil to actually be evil. And if there's a standard of good, um, then where does that actually come from? Does that standard of good come from us? Can you imagine if the standard of good, the moral order, was established by, by me or, or by you, by, by any other human? If, if we said, well, the standard of good, the moral order is established by you and I, it would be an utterly unlivable world. Because what is good to you might be evil to me. And what is evil to me might be something completely different to you. Uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, has a great section on this, this topic. And he says, wherever you find a man who says he does not believe in a real right and wrong, you will find the same man going back on this a moment later. He, make, he may break his promise to you, but if you try breaking one to him, he will be complaining, it's not fair. And so we have to wrestle with the question, who gets to set the standard of good, of right, of wrong, of evil, of fair, of not fair? And I would say that our reference point, our infinite reference point, has to be God. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, again, he's an apologist who's written a lot on this topic of evil and pain. He said the infinite reference point... For distinguishing good from evil can be found only in the person of God, for God alone can exhaust the definition of absolutely good. Okay, what I'm trying to do is just paint a very simple picture. In order for us to declare something evil, there must be a standard by which we call evil, evil. And if God is that standard, if God is the one who is our moral standard, then this is helpful because then we can now go to the God who has established a moral order and ask him challenging questions. Is, uh, of why is there evil? Where did it come from? Is there a point to all of this? If there is no God who has established no moral order, then where do we go to to find answers to our question of why is there evil in the world? 
Where do we go to find any semblance of, of hope in the midst of evil in, in this world? I'm thankful that because there is a God and the God of the Bible has established a moral order, an absolute right, absolute wrong. And again, the definition was simple. Evil is that which is utterly opposed to God. I'm thankful that we can go to this God and then ask some really challenging questions of why is there evil? I wanted to share with you, um, and I share with you these not just observations, but biblical truths that are going to shape our understanding and ability to answer the question that was asked. If God's all-powerful and could stop it, then why doesn't he? If he's all-loving and caring, and why doesn't he do something? And so I'm going to share with you some biblical truths of the topic of evil that shape how we can answer the question. So number one would be, it was not meant to be like this, nor will it always be like this. The world in which we live, it was not meant to be like this, nor will it always be like this. When God created the world, he said 10 times, everything is good. Everything was perfect. The world that God created, he created absolutely perfect, without flaw. But when humanity decided to go against God and rebel against God, sin entered the world and it corrupted everything. When I say it corrupted everything, I mean it corrupted creation uh, and creatures, us, and it impacted everything. When man decided to go against God, evil entered the world from then on. Uh, Again, C.S. Lewis in a different book, The Problem of Pain, said this, man, as God made him, was completely good and completely happy, but he disobeyed God and became what we now see. This condition was transmitted by heredity to all later generations, for it was not simply what biologists call an acquired variation. It was the emergence of a new kind of man, a new species never made by God that had sinned itself into existence. And I share that just because when humanity in the beginning decided to go against God, that forever changed humanity, and that ever changed the world that humanity lives in. So in other words, we have fallen very far from how God created us uh, because sin has made us something much less than what God intended us to be. But God also makes clear that what has fallen and is broken is one day going to be restored, is one day going to be restored. In other words, it won't always be like this, a world filled with pain and suffering and hurt and a world filled with evil. If you fast forward through the entire Bible, And come to the closing chapters of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21. It says this, and this is a picture of heaven. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So again, the Bible makes clear that it was not meant to be like this, nor will it always be like this. Uh, A second point that I would share with you is this. No one will get away with it. No one will get away with it. Justice delayed is not justice denied. It's very easy for us to sit where we sit and say, man, it just looks like evil is running rampant. And it's just going completely unchecked. And it seems like some really evil people making evil decisions, which are having an incredible impact on people. It just seems like they're getting away with it. And I wanted you to know the message of Scripture again and again. No one gets away with anything. 
all of us will have to give an account, and not just who we deem to be evil, doing evil things. I mean you. I mean me. All of us will have to give an account for the life that we live, the choices that we made, the decisions that we made. All of us will stand before God one day and have to give an account. This is uh, what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 14. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And God is a righteous judge. All will have to stand before him and give an account. And he will judge, and he will judge accordingly. And so I share that with you. That encourages me that it does seem like, gosh, so much pain and hurt and abuse, so much evil. But I remind myself of what God reveals to us in the scripture, that he is a righteous judge, and no one gets away with anything. That justice delayed is not justice denied. A third point I would share with you of a biblical truth is there is an evil one who is working evil in the world. There is an evil one, Satan, the devil, Lucifer. There is an evil one who is working evil in the world. 1 John says this, We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. I don't share that uh, observation as a way to like freak anyone out. Rather, it's to state a truth that's often ignored. We live in a very physical world, right? We're physical people. We live in a physical place. We see physical things. But scripture makes clear time and time again, there is a spiritual battle that is taking place all around us. Scripture makes clear that there is a physical world, but we also live in a spiritual world where there is an evil one who is seeking to destroy you and I and just evil in the world. But I share this not to freak you out, but I share this to actually encourage you because if you're a Christian, Scripture makes clear over and over, if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, well, you're on the winning team. That Jesus has absolutely overcome the evil one, thus all of the evil in the world and those that are followers of Christ are with him. This is what it says, uh, and again, quoting 1 John uh, chapter 4, but you belong to God. Anyone who's a Christian belongs to God. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. So even though evil looks incredibly evil, Jesus, I've conquered that, and I've given you my spirit. And my spirit in you is greater than the evil and the evil one that is in the world. A fourth point I'd share with you, uh, last point, would be this. God cares. And I've, I've, sh- I've shared this point with you before, but I want you to hear he cares. He's not ignorant or different, indifferent to the pain that's caused by evil in the world that we live in. God cares. One of the questions that Jesus was confronted with many times was, well, don't you care? Because it seems like you don't. Jesus, don't you care? Because if you, if you did care, you would have shown up. You would have done something. Uh, one person in particular who asked this question uh, was a woman named Martha. She said, uh, and this is a, her brother has just died. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, Jesus, this is ultimately your fault because if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And the fact that you didn't show up reveals to me that you ultimately don't care because if you cared, you would know how much I love my brother and how much I do not want him dead. So by default that you did not come when you knew he was dying, 
and you allowed him to die tells me that you must not care. Now, I don't know how many times you've thought that or even asked that, but is that not a question that when we talk about evil and pain and suffering that people are asking, God, don't you care? And we, we translate in our minds that when God doesn't act like we think God should be acting like, that means he doesn't care like we care. And I just wanted to challenge you, but also encourage you that God does care, that God does care. Uh, if you're looking to uh, read anything outside of scripture that's helpful on this subject, Peter Kreeft, uh, who's actually a Boston um, college professor, said this, even when God doesn't immediately tow us out of our suffering, the fact that he's with us in it is at least the most important and satisfying answer to the problem of suffering that I know. God doesn't give us a lot of words to answer the problem of suffering. According to Christianity, he gives us a single word, and his name is Jesus. And I just, I wanted to remind me and remind all of us that God cares. And his answer to do, does he care is, I, I care. I sent my son into a world that was filled with evil, into a world that hated him and rejected him, ultimately killed him. I sent my son to live in this evil world. And so the evil that you live in and live around and live with, you do not live alone. We have Jesus. So God does not ignore our suffering, nor does he just wait for us on the other side of it. Jesus says, I will walk with you in the midst of the evil. I will walk with you in the midst of the pain and the suffering, the hurt that's caused with it. And the beautiful thing of Jesus walking with us in the midst of our suffering, as we walk with him, we start to look like the one we're walking with. We start to look like the one we're walking with. Now, I'm sharing these crucial biblical truths because the Bible, it's just not silent on the subject of evil. It doesn't hide from the reality, but rather when we look at God's word, we can begin now to answer challenging questions, questions like if God's all-powerful and God could stop evil from happening, then why doesn't he? Does this mean that God doesn't care or that he cares, but he can't stop it? So that was the first question that was asked. And again, I wanted to share with you uh, just a foundation of how the Bible talks about evil now that we can answer this question. Because here's the, the line of thought. God is not good and he's not powerful because if he was good and was powerful, then evil would not exist. So either God does not exist or God at best is a divine monster who just actually enjoys watching people suffer. And the Bible makes clear that none of those are true, that God does exist, that God is all-powerful, and that God is all-loving. He is all-good. And so I have a question then for us. Again, I'm answering now the question, if God's all-powerful and can stop evil, then why doesn't he? Let me ask you this question. What world would be better, a world where there is no evil or a world where you and I have no freedom to make choices? What would be a better world to live in? I just want you to think about that. You've been given two choices. What would be a better world for you to live in? A world where there is absolutely no evil whatsoever. Uh, or a world where you have no ability whatsoever to make any choices. This is a challenging question. Uh, meaning a world 
which free will was not possible. Clearly, God could have created people that were incapable of doing evil. He could have done that. But if he were to do that, we'd be more like robots than actually humans. Uh, Again, quoting Eric Metaxas, he says this, By giving us free will, meaning the ability to make choices, God gave us the ability to reject him and all that is good and thereby bring evil into our world. And all of us suffer in this life because of the evil that exists. So this might be hard to hear, but God could get rid of evil, but to do so, he'd have to get rid of you. Or he'd have to get rid of the ability for you and I to make any choices or decision whatsoever, meaning no free will. And so if God just gets rid of you, or God gets rid of your ability to actually make a choice, free will, then wouldn't we say to God, well, that seems evil in and of itself. If you're just going to get rid of us altogether or get rid of our ability to make choices, it would seem like we would say to God, well, that seems incredibly evil as well. So again, if we're going to follow this line of of thought, then does that mean uh, that God actually somehow invented, created, or is the author of evil? And scripture clearly says no. Clearly, scripture answers that question in James. He says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt anyone with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God is not the author of evil, so then how does this work? God created us with free will, which allows for the possibility of evil to exist. If you allow people to make choices, then you're allowing the possibility for people to not choose you. You're allowing people to use their choice to choose not what is good and perfect and and holy, being God. If you allow people to have choice, then you're also allowing people to use their choice to choose that which is evil. And so God created us with the ability to choose, and humanity actualized that possibility, meaning we used our choice not to choose God. We used our choice to choose evil. Now, the question is, why would God bestow a life of abuse, physical and sexual, onto a child? If you've never wrestled with that question, you should. And I'm not suggesting that this is an answer, the the subject of free will and God giving us, creating us with the possibility uh, to make choices, choices to choose evil. I'm not saying that this is at a heart level, a satisfying answer, but the reality is that man has used his or her ability to choose evil, to choose wrong, to choose things that are not from God, to do horrific things to one another. The majority of human suffering in this world is a direct result of humanity using our free will, our choices to kill, to slander, to be selfish, to stray sexually, to break our promises, to be reckless, to be greedy, to abuse, to dominate, to be cruel. Again, I'm asking a hard, hard question. Which world would you rather live in? A world where there is absolutely no evil or a world where you don't have any ability to choose, right or wrong, where you're nothing more, you're not a human, you're just a robot doing what you were programmed to do. The way that God created us, he created us with a gift to choose. He's not gonna force you or me to love him. He will always tell you again and again and again that I love you. 
and he demonstrates that love to us. But he loved us also enough to say, I will let you choose. I will create you not as a robot that just has this special DNA that you always choose right, you never choose wrong. I love you enough to allow you to make choices, and any choice that you make that is not consistent with the person, the heart, the character of God is a choice towards evil. So a question, well, gosh, couldn't God have done it differently, done it better? Couldn't God change the minds of those who are just so bent on doing evil? Couldn't like he just tweak us a little bit? Like any time we were on the verge of making like a, a bad choice, he just like something happens and we're like, oh, what was I thinking? And couldn't he just have done it a different way, a better way to somehow intervene with like the really horrific evils, like the sex trafficking and abuse? Like couldn't he have just done something different? And again, I'm not saying this is easy, but if we lose free will, the ability to choose right or wrong You've lost your ability to be human, and you're just a robot. So the Bible makes very clear that God is all good. He's all powerful, meaning God could wipe out all evil, uh, which means the possibility of us and free will. But he's chosen not to do that. Clearly, he's chosen not to do that because you can choose. Every day, you can make a choice. And your choice can reflect who God is and what God is like, or your choice can reflect what our sinful desires want. So we now can ask a question that wasn't actually asked uh, for this series. Uh, but since I get to be part of this series, I want to ask a question. And my question would just be this. Um, if God is allowed evil to exist in our world, then is he actually going to accomplish something with the evil that is in the world? That, that's the logical question. Will he use evil to accomplish some greater good in us or in the world? We know that evil exists. We now have at least a better idea of where evil came from. We chose it. And we've been choosing it ever since. And one of the things that I, I want you to know is I know that we look at um, a, a choice of a, a parent to abuse their child physically or sexually and say that is just, that is evil in its worst form. And I just wanted you to say that is evil. But any choice that I make that is inconsistent with God is an evil choice. That there's not like these scales of like that is like crazy evil and that's just like a little bit evil and that's like minor evil. Evil is evil. The consequences of evil obviously are different. But I just wanted you to know that if God is not, he's permitted this to happen, he's permitted you and I to have our choice, uh, to ability to make choices, then we ask the question, will he use evil to accomplish some greater good? Again, quoting Peter Kreeft, he says this, God would not allow any evil unless his wisdom and power were such as to bring out of it an even greater good. And so I just want to finish by asking the question, by answering the question, um, Will God use evil uh, in our lives, in this world, to accomplish? Will he use evil and suffering and pain to accomplish something greater in us and in this world? And I'm just going to give you two very quick thoughts on this. Number one, and these are just one-word answers, character. Character. I, I encourage you to write this down. This is Romans chapter 5, but how I'm answering, will he use evil, suffering, pain to accomplish some greater purpose? And number one is character. 
Romans 5 says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and that endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, and because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God uses suffering to form in us that which would otherwise not be formed. And I don't say that lightly or callously, as I've sat with many people who have endured incredible pain and suffering because of evil. And I, I don't lead with when I'm meeting with someone who's just lost a child or meeting with a parent who's just lost a, a son to suicide. Hey, this is about your character. Like, don't miss that. I, I don't start there. But I also know that people that have gone through and endured evil, uh, specifically at the hands of other people, and they're living in the consequences of it, it is encouraging to me to see that over time that God is using that to shape and to form in, in them something that would never have normally been there. So I, I have a question of, for you that will be hard, but I want you to think of the hardest thing that you've gone through thus far in life. And I'm not trying to bum you out or depress you or make you sad, but I just want you to think, what is one of the hardest things that you've had to go through in life? And I realize that some of you, when you hear that, you're like, I'm in the midst of it right now. And so you might have a hard time answering this question, but as you consider hard things that you've gone through because of evil in the world, my question would just be this, are you better off for it? Meaning, are you different because of it? Has God used that in your life to help you see him? Because I am convinced that when someone sees him, they begin to become different. So has God used hard, evil things in your life to accomplish something in you, specifically your character? One of the things that I am convinced of that scripture reminds me over and over and I see from personal experience of walking through suffering, but also walking through a lot of other people's suffering is God never wastes anything. He takes what's evil and hard and he uses it to shape and form us, character. Uh, Robert uh, Vellard, who is uh, like a C.S. Lewis guru, so not only do I read C.S. Lewis, I read people who also love C.S. Lewis. He wrote this, Our character can be formed because of the reality of evil and suffering. This world and our sufferings in it can shape our souls for the better. This world can try us, yes, but also can build us up through our sufferings. This is a world that, if we will give it the chance, can prepare us for eternity. And that is not like this light can simple answer, but I'm thankful that evil is not wasted, that God will use evil in my life to shape and form me to look more like the sun. It's not wasted. And the second thing that I would encourage you with of answering the question, we know that God has permitted and allowed evil to exist in this world. What is he going to, how is he using, what is he, for what point, what purpose? We know one would be character, and number two would just be salvation. Would be salvation. Meaning God uses suffering caused by evil not only for our character, but for the benefit of those around you. And I couldn't think of a better example other than Jesus. I couldn't think of a better example in scripture of someone who had endured evil at the hands of other people. And because of that, the other end of his story came the salvation of thousands and thousands of people. 
His name is Joseph. He was rejected, left for dead, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape, a man familiar with evil that was done to him. But at the end of his story, this is what Joseph says as he's looking at the men who caused all of this, their evil choices caused all of this pain and hurt and suffering. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. A man who was falsely accused of rape, left for dead, sold by his brothers into slavery, is able to stand before his brothers and says, you intended it for evil. You used your ability to make a choice, and your choice reflected the hatred you had in your heart towards me. But God took that evil that you had intended and used it for good, the salvation, the saving of many, many lives. So the question is, well, when all of this evil and the resulting suffering was going on, where was God? Like, is, do we just have to wait till the end of the story and be like, oh, now I see. And as you trace Joseph's story, uh, you see that God was with him every step of the way. Here's just a snapshot of God in the midst of his story. The Lord was with Joseph, and he su- succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of this Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Fast forward, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. No matter where Joseph was, God was. No matter how awful it was, no matter how the suffering and the pain caused by the evil choices of other people, God said, I'm still with you. I won't leave you, man. I will not abandon you in the midst of this. You are not alone. You are never alone. So even when people make evil choices that bring pain, suffering, and hurt, destruction to you, God says, I'm with you. I won't leave or abandon. I won't forsake. I will not forget about you. So much so that he gets to the end. And what does he say? You meant evil, but God used it for good, the saving, the salvation of many, many people. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a very helpful book on the subject as well called The Reason for God. And he comments on Joseph. And he said, Joseph's character was refined and strengthened by his trials. Again, God uses evil in our life, in our world, to strengthen our character to reflect that of Christ. Joseph's character was refined and strengthened by his trials. If God had not allowed Joseph's years of suffering, he never would have been such a powerful agent for social justice and spiritual healing. It's not wasted. He uses it for a character. He uses it for other people to actually see God, to see, experience salvation. These questions are hard, but I would ask you this. God has allowed you to go through the depths and loss of pain so that you might be able to comfort others in it. Would you be willing to do that? If you go into the depths of experiencing just loss and pain so that someone else who will go through it, that you could be used by God to help them see God in the midst of that, would that be okay? Some of you are experiencing right now hell in marriage, that you just look at your husband or you look at your wife, you look at the situation that you're in, and it just seems utterly hopeless. Would you allow God to use your marriage right now to one day bring hope to those that are currently in that situation? 
Would you, for those who have the, just the pain of addiction, whatever your addiction might be, whether it's addiction of drugs or sex or pornography or money or lust or whatever the addiction might be, maybe God is using that addiction. He's allowed that to happen so that you can bring hope to someone else who is lost in the midst of it right now. I could go on with just a list of questions, but my point is simple. God will not allow the evil that we endure and go through and have to live with and walk through, he will not allow that to be wasted. And I'm thankful for that. And I don't say this callously or very cavalier that this is some simple answer, but I'm thankful that God didn't just destroy me and he didn't take away my ability to choose. So I'm thankful that God uses the evil choices that I have made and I have made many to shape, to form character in me, and to help the salvation of other people. It's not wasted. I finish with talking about evil. It, this is hard, it's challenging, it's difficult, but this is the beauty of Christianity. Uh, and this is where I guess I would stop and just encourage, but also challenge. There is no other satisfying answer to the problem of evil in the world other than the message of Christianity. There is no other message that brings hope, that brings healing, that brings redemption, that brings restoration. There is no other message out there that says God loved you and I enough to create us as he did. That when we chose, used our choice to choose evil, he said, I still love you. I will enter into this world that is now filled with just evil because I want you to know me. And God came into the world that he created so that those that would look to him, to Jesus, God in flesh, would not walk through this world alone, but would experience the world as God created us to experience in heaven. No other message, there is no other hope. This is why it's called the good news. The good news is Jesus conquered evil. He came to the world and he conquered evil. Everyone thought he was dead and gone, but he conquered evil, thus the evil one. So those who look to Christ and Christ alone do not walk alone in the midst of evil in this world, and we are the ones who experience the world as God created us to experience with him in perfection. Um, Father, I just give thanks for these moments together. And God, I know this is just really hard and challenging. But God, I give thanks that in you and you alone, there is hope. There is hope for healing. There is hope for redemption. There is hope for restoration. There's hope for reconciliation. God, I prayed 30 minutes ago that our hearts would feel something from you. And God, I pray that just before we would leave our time here together today. God, that our hearts would feel just an absolute hatred for that which is evil, anything that is opposed to you. God, let it start with us. God, if there's things in our life that we have deemed as no big deal, anything that is opposed to you is evil. So God, let it start with our own hatred for the things that we are doing that is just choosing everything that is opposed to you. 
God, it's one thing to hate the, the evil that's in the world, but would you help us to hate the sin that lives within us, the choices that we make to be selfish, the choices that we make to be bitter and unforgiving. God, help us to hate that because that is not from you. God, from you is that we would be generous and kind and loving and caring and gracious and merciful. So God, let it start within our own hearts. And we would just hate that sins. God, I pray for those that are in the thick of it right now, that they are suffering because of evil that has been done to them, the choices that have been made by others, and they're living in, in, the, in the thick of that now. God, I pray that you would bring in this moment comfort. God, it says in, in the story of Joseph that you are with him every step of the way from being sold by his own brothers to being falsely accused to being in prison. You were with him every step of the way. And so, God, I pray for those who are just feeling the weight and the heaviness of evil right now in their own life. God, that they would feel your comfort. 